This is week four in the series. We began the series by talking about the amazing gift God gave to us in a mind. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, what God gave to us. But right from early days, it got polluted with this thing called sin. So everything the mind wants to do, wants to wander off, and it bends itself towards evil. God gave to us a wonderful thing called the mind. And as he gives us the mind, it is warped because of sin, and the only hope of fixing that is Jesus, our Savior. The only hope of it. The Savior gives us a new mind, a new heart, a whole new attitude, and, gives, uh, and, and when we give ourselves completely to him, he transforms the thinking in our minds, Romans chapter 12. And he gives us the power to even overcome bad thoughts. That was last week, taking captive every thought. Today what I want to talk about is a mind hack. Because mind hacking happens all the time. Even though the mind's a wonderful thing, we're blessed with a wonderful gift. Sometimes you ever thought a thought and thought, did I think that thought or did someone put a thought in my mind to make me think that thought? Don't raise your hand. Did you think that thought independently or have you thought that thought before? Or you go to think of a thought, but you can't remember what the thought was. Then later it comes back, but you think it might be a different thought or a different perspective on the same thought. Some of you are saying, you think too much. That is your problem. Or are you thinking a thought, but you don't realize you've just been hacked? In other words, what's really going on inside my head? To those of us who've studied the brain for a long time, and there are people who study it way more than I have, They've, they've come to the conclusion that the power of suggestion is an incredible power. And the power of suggestion from other people or influences even weather, and we've even found even air pressure. Weather patterns, people know it. Cleveland, Ohio, 50 days of overcast from Lake Erie, and the depression rates go up. Chicago, they're just depressed all the time. But Seattle, <laughs> Seattle, that's why they have coffee. You know that. It's the only way, that's the only way to get over the mostly cloudy, dreary, drippy days of Seattle. So, you see, there's this power of suggestion that makes you feel sad or glad or cold or warm. And it's all about the handlers. You're not really sure, is this for real or is it The Matrix? Have you seen the movie The Matrix? Or Truman, remember the movie Truman? Like, is this for real or am I just being manipulated? And, and, and we think, oh no, I'm in control of my own head. But that's not true either. It happened... In the 60s, they ran a series of studies, but it's even happening today. It just moved from daytime soaps, what we used to call daytime soaps, to evening drama. And uh, the CSIs and the, the kind of drama where there's always angst and it continues. In the daytime soaps, there'd be medical shows. And you know what would happen? There'd be a certain disease that would show up on a medical show. The emergency rooms would know without even watching the shows. Do you know why? Because they get an uptick in that disease in the emergency rooms. See, it was the power of suggestion from the show. The same thing happens now on the evening cast with, with uh, medical shows as well. So are we really thinking the, the thought or is someone it, putting the thought into our heads? And that's where you can't, you can't, you don't know, am I being hacked or is my mind secure? I'm locked down secure, I'd like to think. Or is the hacker actually making me think that I'm locked down insecure? <laughs> that would be the question. All right, let's go to the pictures. Some of this stuff just can't be for real, like that. Look at that long enough. Draw it out quickly. Don't blink. Yeah. How many fingers is the guy holding out? Well, okay, now how about the next one? Thank you. These are wonderful. Okay, go in close. Now come out back. Yeah. That's, how about the next one? Thank you. I love this one. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had moving, blinking ones. We, we didn't want you heaving. We didn't have the bags. We're not an airplane with a bag in a little pouch there. And this one, what are you actually seeing? Uh, no, don't, oh, don't, don't, don't ruin it. Yes. Yes. How many of you said butterfly? Yeah, okay. And how many legs does he really have? We're not sure. And one of the signs, one of the signs that you've been hacked is that you talk to yourself just like that. <laughs> uh, I, I can see, I, I, uh, no, I can't. Yes, I can. What's really scary is when you argue and lose with yourself. That's what's really scary. What's this supposed to mean? We don't know either. Yes. Go to the next one. <clears throat> what do you say? Tell me out loud. Uh-huh. And murmuring would be the next. Uh. How about another? This does it all. This is the... This is the best, the stairs that go up to the basement, you know, so you can pull those off. Thank you very much in the booth. In the, and sometimes people ask us, too, um, about services and what it takes. By the way, you don't know it, but like you saw the people on stage. For every person on stage, there's like three behind, like work in the booth and down the hall and the greeters making coffee. Just all that it takes a lot. The booth is a part of that. Um, you see, there's things that are the way they are in the in, even when you don't see them, they're still there, but you, you don't know. And this is the mind hack. Now, let me back up in history and I just tell you. Long before we ever came on the scene, long before there was even, maybe even an earth, God was in heaven and there was an angel by the name of Lucifer. And that angel said one day, I'm going to be like the most high. And he, he led an insurrection, really a mutiny in heaven. And when he led that, he took a bunch of angels with him and he said, we're going to take over heaven. And God said, no, you're not. And he threw them out. And they became Lucifer, Satan. And the hosts that went with him became his demons, his fallen host. And they are doomed for eternity. That's already settled. But what we're experiencing today is that not just worldwide or galaxy-wide, this is all time in all history everywhere. It is a supernatural conflict. And it's a conflict in the heavenlies between good and bad, evil and righteousness, God and Satan. And because I've read the last chapter of the book, I already know who wins, and it's God. That's why I always, every Sunday, want to get you onto God's side and to live for him. Why? Because I already know how this ends. And I'm just trying to get you on the winning side because I want you to be a winner in life, not a loser. But you see, you have to understand, this is a long-time conflict happening in the heavenly realms Years later, when we show up on earth, we might sense it or feel it. It might come out as geopolitical or economic or educational conflict or uh, some kind of marital spat or relational stuff. It might come out different ways. Understand this. There is a supernatural conflict happening, and the mind is playing tricks on itself and you don't even know what's normal anymore. And the more you think about it, the more you overthink it, and the worse it can get. The battleground, really, is for your mind and really your heart of the human beings. And Satan will play us. He will play us with a mind hack. He'll even get you to do good things and then instill into you a sense of real pride so you'll become arrogant. 
And that's one of the things the Lord hates is arrogance. So he'll even get you to do good things and prompt those things to prompt in your own heart a spirit of arrogance and undo all the good that you do. And so he breaks in and he steals. Now, if you've ever been hacked, don't raise your hand, but if you've ever been hacked, it is not a happy thing. And it can ruin your identity, it can empty your bank account, it can make purchases that you never intended to make. But you see, you have to understand, Satan is on a hack for your life, way more than your bank account, way more than your credit score. So how do we live in light of this? What are we to do? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We have to finally be strong in the Lord. Now, he writes finally. This is the sixth chapter, end of the book. But he's been talking since chapter 1 about this fact that God has called us and out of this conflict in the heavenlies. And he's called us to be like Jesus Christ and to live for him. He's talked about husbands and wives and children. He's just talked about a lot. And so he finally says, here's the final word. This is the ending words. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Nail this one down. You be strong, but you have to go to the Lord for the power that will overcome the resistance. You have to get your head in the game and expect the resistance. You have to be strong, and he repeats it. By the way, in four verses, stand will happen. The word stand will happen four times. It'll occur. You have to just take your stand. You have to be strong. You have to take your stand. He's getting us a message here. It's not of your own strength. It can only happen in the Lord. And you can do it, but only through Christ who gives you strength, Philippians 4.13. That's what was expected of us. So how are we going to stand? Verse 11, you're going to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, there's our term again, against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God. And if we were to go back and if we had the time, we would take this apart. The Bible was originally written in ancient Greek, street Greek, not classical in it, it has forms of grammar that we don't see necessarily in the English. Here, it's in the, what's called an imperative form. In other words, it's like stop, stand, attention. Those are imperatives. Boom, boom, boom. And he's saying, put on the full armor of God. It's as if this were written in caps. This is in the imperative. It's, it's as if he's saying, you're going into outer space. You need to have a spacesuit. You will not make it without the spacesuit. This is not optional. And you can't forget the hose that connects your head to the tank. You can't forget a boot. It's not going to work. You will die. And, and plenty have. So this is, we're not messing around with this. You're going to go into spiritual battle, and that battle is over your mind, over the way you think. Therefore, you have to pursue righteousness, faith, hope, and love. And, and by the way, we're going to talk about the, the mind frame in a couple of weeks. Uh, next week, I'm really excited. We're going to talk about depression. I'm excited about that. I can't wait. I'm really happy. About... Oh, yeah, it's depression week. And then the next we're going to talk about think on these things. I'm going to talk about creative thinking because I think Christians, those who follow Christ, can and should be the most creative thinkers in the world because we are new creations in Christ. I mean, what's not to love about that? So, how are we going to stand this? The only way you're going to be able to do this is to put on the full armor, and you can't just pick optional pieces here. And by the way, he says, put on the full armor, and it says, what, of what now, class? Of, of God. Whose armor is it? It's God's armor. Did you get this? He's just loaning it to you. My guess is it's pretty good stuff. Okay? 
This is God's armor. He wants you to put it on, but you have to put it on. All the armor in the world left at home in your closet will do you no good. In truthful speech, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness, the right hand and in the left, he's saying, it is in the hands. You've got to have the weapons in the hands. This, there's a real sense of urgency because you're going to be fighting for your life. Because if you don't put on the full armor of God, he'll find the exposed place. He will find your weakness. And get this, sometimes Christians think, well, it's my job. I'm going to charge hell with the squirt gun. You know, they think they're going to just take on Satan. And I say to you, no. No, your job is to stand. If you can just do that, that's going to be plenty. Your job is not to take on Satan and knock the gates of hell down. No. That's what Jesus will do. Your job is simply to put on the armor, and the armor will help you survive, and then you stand and hold your position. Uh, I, I, I told you about a friend of mine who is a part of that greatest generation, World War II vet. I had the privilege of serving on staff with the guy, and we would go to coffee uh, once a week, and I, was, and I would say, tell me a story. And he would tell me a story. And he was a guard in the Army. He was actually in seminary uh, in his 20s when Pearl Harbor happened. He got pulled out of school, landed in northern Europe after the invasion. And I said, it must have been cool, because I have only know World War II as a winner. I only know it from history books. I wasn't alive, you know. So it's, it's all history to me. I said, so what was it like? And he said, I, I said, to know you're... You're going to win. He goes, well, number one, we didn't know we were going to win. It's a world war. I said, so what was your prayer? I mean, your, your thing must have been, let's win. He goes, no. <laughs> My prayer was to survive. You can't win if you don't survive. So the more people who survive, the better the chances of winning. And I'll clean up the version of MacArthur, but he said, you were lied to. He told the military when they got to France, you were lied to. You were told to come die for your country. He said, I'm giving you the clean version. I'm going to tell you, make them die for theirs. Make them die for theirs. You don't have to die. You, you have to protect yourself. See, protect yourself, and then you're able to stand. Now, here's the deal. We, our nature, when we get attacked, is to retaliate, is to smack back, right? And our nature is to even the score and engage, even when that is not our assignment, even when that's not our mission, Go back to World War II, and I love the story of the Tuskegee Airmen. It's well worth watching uh, the movie, what's it called, Red Tails? If you've not seen it, go see it, get the book. I mean, just, it's a great piece of history. The Tuskegee Airmen, their job was to run escort for bombers. And you know what would happen would be flyers would come at them and attack them, and your nature is to retaliate, to go chase them and, and kill the enemy. That's, you shoot at me, I'm going to shoot back. But if you do that, you get off target and off mission, and when the enemy comes and then runs away, if you chase them, what will happen is you'll get out of line, you'll jeopardize your own plane and your own life, plus you'll expose the mission. The mission will fail because now the, the bombers are exposed, and that's exactly what the enemy wants, is to get you out of mission and off of, uh, off of line, out of formation. Understand this, spiritually, just like the Tuskegee Airmen, 
who stayed in formation, took an incredible amount of discipline to do that because we are retaliatory people. You have to have that same kind of discipline because Satan wants to taunt you and get you into attack mode, even worse, into retaliation mode, and he'll get you out of position and get you to go chase a squirrel that really doesn't matter, really, in the scheme of things. And then you hurt not only yourself, but the entire army of God because you're out of position. Now there's a hole where you were supposed to do what, class? Stand. Do you get this? We're planning on, we depend on you standing in that spot. So when you have a ministry at SPC, you stand, you take the ministry. When you serve in a place, you serve there. Your faithfulness will, will, will speak more than all of your talent combined. Everything within us wants to retaliate. And the discipline is to stand, take the defensive armor, the sword of the Spirit, it's the only offensive armor in the whole piece. And then when you take your stand, you ask yourself, why am I doing this? And the reason is because this war isn't about me. It's even bigger. It is a war of the ages. Remember that. It's heaven and hell in conflict. And heaven will win. And so I have to take the stand. For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood. Don't think it to be a physical battle. Don't think it to be a political battle, an economic, education. It's not a battle for anything else. Don't ever think it to be anything else. It's not flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, circle that, authorities, and the powers. Three different spheres here of this dark world. There are influencers and authorities. There are powers you cannot get your hands around, and they're part of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Where's this conflict happening? I think what we have are our stray fighters, the demons, just going through the heavenlies, wreaking havoc. And if we get off course, we lose out on mission. So what does Satan want to do? Since he can't take you out of heaven, he can't cancel the faith that you have, he can't undo your faith. So he can't keep you from going to heaven. So what does he do? He takes the heaven out of your heart. He just gets you to lose heart, see? Gets you to sink low, to be miserable if you're not faithful at standing with the full armor of God. So how do I get ready for this? Verse 13. Put on the full armor of God. Anybody else seen this repeating itself? Put on the full armor of God. So in that day when evil comes, does your text say if evil comes? It says when evil comes. It will come. You'll be able to stand your ground. You'll be able to just hang on. You will survive. And after you've done everything, you are to do what, class? Stand. Take your stand. And he repeats it. But you're only able to do that if you're fully equipped and you have the armor on. Verse 14. Stand firm then, there it is again, with the belt of truth. Here are half a dozen things he's going to mention. Belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When you're standing, verse 14, let's look at them a little closer. There's this belt 
of truth. The belt of truth is what is, you think of it as a big belt. It's like an officer's belt almost, and, and stuff hangs on it. And th this is what they used to wrap their garment and keep their clothes on. It tightened everything down, but then they could hang uh, weapons off of that. And what happens is this. God uses that belt of truth, and God's truth shows us the way things are for real. You've got to have that wrapped all the way around you. All the way around you. You've got to, have, you've got to be wrapped. Get this. I have to be wrapped in truth. That's where it starts. Secondly, there's this blessed, breastplate of righteousness. This is the sanctifying righteousness protecting my heart, your heart, because you have to have your heart in order to survive. And this is really, in a lot of ways, it's body armor. Satan accuses us regarding our righteousness. Hope you get this. Satan accuses us um, thinking that he can somehow take us down because we are not righteous. Have you ever been a Christian for very long and you feel bad about you're not doing a very good job of being a Christian? That, that's the kind of ploy, that's the kind of mind act Satan loves. It's God's righteousness that protects us, and if we don't have that, we'll be hit and it'll be fatal. So we have to tell ourselves the truth, that we receive the righteousness of God, and that is in Christ. I need no other argument, the songwriter wrote. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died, and that he died for me. That's the righteousness in which we stand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I stand on this kind of righteousness. And my feet then are fitted. Talking about shoes. Shoes fitted for the gospel. We always talk about how this is spreading the good news. And that's true. But, but here's what we know too about shoes. The better your shoes are, the less you have to look down. If you're going into battle and there's a lot of nastiness on the ground you're looking down if you're barefoot if you've got clunkers on you can truck through all that right and your shoe is used for a whole lot more than just walking it's not just protection it can extinguish flames it can extinguish fire it can get you out of trouble it can offer a whole lot of stability and here's the picture i want you to get is this when you put the shoes on they give you stability and they create a sense of Stability among the body of Christ, among the army of the Lord, and it gives us unity because we stand together. If you don't have the boots on, you don't stand as well. So you have to ask yourself, am I standing well with my brothers and sisters? What is it about my life that I should give up to be able to stand better so I stand in unity with my brothers? There's the belt, there's the breastplate, there's the fitted feet, shoes. Now there's the shield of faith. I love this. It's about a two and a half foot board by four foot board, just a piece of wood. Then they wrap that uh, piece of wood, um, they wrap that in leather. A lot of times before they go into battle, they'd even soak it in water. Do you know why? Because the darts that come at them are on fire. And, and what you do is, if that's soaked in water, then it's heavier, but when they hold it up, when the flame comes, it's, it's going to be quicker to go out. And it means that your shield isn't going to catch on fire quite as fast, which I'm all in favor of. So you have this two and a half foot, foot, foot board by four foot board, and it's wrapped in leather, and 
And uh, Satan would love to lodge an attack against you. He would love to suggest that you can stand out from behind the, the shield and be okay, but you cannot. That shield is your protection, and faith in God and his ways keeps you from the fiery darts. I'm convinced, you know, we don't really get that picture. I, and so one day, I would like for us just to go out in the woods and all, like, shoot fire darts at each other. Just get the feel of that. Whoosh, bye. You know, wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. Yeah, you're going to stay home and watch the movie. I know. I, and I always think, you know, if I were in that battle, I would take the fiery dart, and it comes into my shield, and I would, like, pull it out, and I'd re restart it, and then shoot the same flame back. Would that be cool? Yeah. Yeah. That's retaliation. Thank you. I'd put a love note on it. Trust Jesus because you're about to meet him. Something like that. That's what I'd put. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for that. Don't get me off because I'll fly off mission. That won't be good. Yeah. Squirrel, that's right, stand. But this hand-to-hand -hand conflict is huge. It's a huge deal. When, you're, when there's hand-to-hand -hand conflict, you've got to have the shield. The shield has to be in place, and you cannot lay it down. And then, of course, there's the helmet, and the helmet protects your head. You don't live without your head. The helmet is, is just wrapped around. It protects the brain. And when you're in all-in-out war, you know, oftentimes soldiers, you'll see them drop their helmet for a moment, hang it on a clip on their belt. They can do that for a while because you can, it's, you know, it's claustrophobic. It makes you sweat. There's lots of things that happen with a helmet. But when you're going into battle, you've got to have the helmet on. It has to be strapped down. The helmet keeps us and keeps our head in all situations, gives us way better perspective. And you know what? You may be saying, you know what? I don't feel like I have great perspective. This is your prayer this week. God, I need the helmet of, of salvation. I, I just, I need to know that I'm yours. I need assurance of that. I want to walk with you and trust you. Help me with that. And then there's one, there's one offensive weapon, and it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit refers to it in its origin is the, as the Word itself. It's the spoken Word. And I believe it's the delivered spoken where you have to be speaking the word in the midst of the conflict. And I believe a couple of things. I think when you get attacked, rarely do I get attacked when I'm having my quiet time and I have a Bible in my hand or I'm studying. I do get attacks like that. But oftentimes when I get attacked, it's when I'm doing other things. So the word has to be hidden in my heart so I can speak uh, the word right then. You, you understand the value of taking the word to heart. And, and when you do that, then it becomes the sword of the spirit. And then you, you can outdo whatever Satan would deliver you with the word of the Lord. And then there's one more piece of this. It's really not in the list. And then the other pieces that you pray, and that's the next passage, which we're not going to hit. But if you don't pray, if you aren't talking to God this entire time, survival rates are going to be down. In fact, you will not survive. Uh, Timothy Keller is a great author. If you've written, if you've read uh, Prodigal Gospel, uh, there's just several books of his that are really good. He pastors Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City. 
He talks about his struggle with prayer and then going through 9-11 and realizing in his 50s, I don't pray like I like, and he was in New York City during 9-11, and, I, and he wanted to go back to the disciplines. He's talking to his wife about it, and I, I can identify with this. I, I'm there. I'm not the prayer that I want to be. And so Keller's explained this to his wife, and his wife said, well, let me see if I can help you understand this. And she gives to him an illustration that he's used, it's in books, and he's, he's spoken it. It goes like this. If you went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're going to die, but if you take this pill every day, you're going to take this pill every day, you'll live. But the day you forget to take the pill, the next day, you'll wake up dead. <laughs> so you have to take this pill every day. Do you think you would ever forget to take the pill? He said, not a chance. I would take the pill every day. Would you forget? No, I wouldn't forget. Is there a chance you'd forget? No, I would not forget. Because I, I can't say the next one, oh man, I missed the pill. I need to double up. Nope, you're gone. You're dead. You're, it's over. You would never, ever forget to take the pill. And she looked at him and said, that's prayer. That's prayer. If you don't go back to your commanding officer, you will not survive the war. So you've got to be in constant contact. I, I, I struggle with how to even close the message. And um, you know that there's a mind game happening. There's a mind hack for your heart and your mind. My issue is that, is that you won't be ready for it. Because it, when it happens, you're, you, you know what I mean by when I say you're on your heels? You aren't ready for the battle. And the best illustration I could think of and I'll, I'll close with this, and we're going to pray. There's a guy a generation ago by the name of Harry Houdini. And Harry Houdini could do just about anything. You could put him in a tank of water tied up, and he'd come out. You could chain him. You could put him in a footlocker. All, all kinds of things you could do with Harry Houdini. But Harry died of a bad appendix. It happened from the inside appendix burst. That's not the whole story. And the legend, and if you go back and study it, if you read the stories, the stories are going to conflict because they do. They just do. But Harry said that, that he had made comments that he had a rock-hard stomach. He said anybody could punch me, it wouldn't affect him. Well, a guy approached him and slugged him, and the problem with it was, was Harry was laying down because he had just broken his ankle on a previous show, doing another stunt. So he's recovering from a broken ankle. He's lying on a couch in you know, like a dressing room and a guy walks in and just bam, smacks him in the gut really hard, big guy. That prompted, they think, the bursting of the appendix which then led to his death. But here's what you have to understand. That would have never happened if Harry Houdini knew the punch was coming. He didn't have his stomach muscles together he wasn't up. He wasn't vertical. He was laying down. He wasn't up. He was not ready to stand. And therefore, he got attacked when he wasn't, he was unaware. But isn't that how Satan goes after us? He doesn't go after us when we're all ready. And we can't say, just a minute, just a minute. Let me go run home and get my armor. Can't do that. You know, let's start over. I get a mulligan. No, you don't. This is it. He'll take you down, he'll take you out, he'll take every chance he has at it. Why? Because it is a battle, remember this, for all time. It's heaven and hell. And we're just on earth, a little piece of it. So you want to shine well 
for Christ and you want to win the battle, the only way you're going to do that is to be ready for the battle, which means you have to put the full armor of God on. So this week, this week, get in the word. May it be your sword. May it be your shield. May you quote back to the, the very scriptures that Satan would use against you, use on him. But then stay the course of the mission, what God has designed you to do. Don't get off mission to that. All right? And then as you do that, you live with a greater sense of joy and confidence. You stand well, and you encourage those standing beside you because you don't want them to go down either. You understand? Um, my grandpa used to sing the song, uh, and it's an old World War I song, Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition. And that's what we have to do with each other, just encourage each other. And we, we don't give up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but we encourage each other, Hebrews 10. Why? Because we see the day approaching. We see the victory happening. And we want to be on the front lines when the victory happens. And we want to be standing well when the victory happens. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, this... Uh, this has been an encounter with your truth that is surprising us with joy and even though it's war, it's surprising us with optimism. We thank you that you are the victor in Christ and that you allow us in on the victory and the victory party. So would you equip our minds and our hearts to stand well for your glory? Not for our own good, but for your glory. And may we live, Lord, to please Jesus Christ, our commanding officer. And Lord, may, may I, I just pray that there's a, for whatever the struggle is, Lord, may we learn this week, standing for you is never a mistake. May we stay connected with lines of communication as we pray. And on all occasions, may we stay connected in relationship to Christ simply through your word and by talking back to him in prayer. And I pray this in the name of Christ, our commander, our chief, and our victory. And the church says, amen.